0: Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Pastor Gerald Brooks. I want to take a moment and just thank you for all that you do and the impact that you have on the kingdom of God. Also, I want to wish you uh, just a, a great New Year's. I pray for you that uh, God's going to utilize you and your skill set in some meaningful way to have impact that will make the kingdom of God better and make heaven bigger. Today, I want to take a few moments, and I want to walk you through a lesson that I had to personally live out. It was one of those lessons I did, just didn't get to teach, but really I had to implement in my life and in my organization. And it's a very simple lesson called Leading with Less. Leading with less. In fact, learning to lead with less, to me, is one of the most powerful thoughts that I've had to wrap my arms around and my mind around as a leader, learning to lead with less. So let me just give you a little bit of dynamics as far as uh, where this played out in my life particularly. In 2008, the economy is going to come to a screeching halt. When the economy came to a screeching halt, it, it seemed to catch everyone off guard. But in May of 2008, I began to see the first trend lines in our church budget that said, hey, things are about to change, and they're about to change drastically. Immediately, I began to implement uh, standards that were going to be really the key to us being able to survive, and those standards were going to be very, very strict on how we handled money and how we utilized that money and what we did with money. To put it in perspective, what's going to happen is we're going to lose a third of our income. Now, I don't know what kind of organization you have. You can uh, take that to whatever background you have, but um, a third of anything is a lot. I don't care if it's $100, I don't care if it's 100000 if it's $100 million, you lose a third of it, that begins to affect you. But literally within two months, we are going to lose a third of our income. Now. Coupled with that, there's going to be a, a growing trend that's going to begin to hit our church, and that is that a majority of my staff at that time had been with me 20-plus years. Over that 20-plus years, uh, some of them were beginning to sort of downshift in life and beginning to uh, be in a position where they, they really wanted to uh, take a, a secondary seat versus the primary seat in ministry. And then, also, we began to see the first dichotomy between uh, the age groups that we were beginning to see uh, old people hang out with old people and young people hang out with young people, and how are we going to bridge the generational gap so we 're in a um, a flux moment where the income is down we 're in a flux moment that the staff is beginning to change, and we 're in a flux moment that um, the generations within our church are beginning to compete. So as a result of that, I had to do something. And one of those things is um, I had to learn to lead with less. Our church still needed to grow. Our church still needed to do the things that it was doing. Yet at the same time, I had less income. I had less staff. And at the same time, I had this competition between old and young. And so I want to take you to a Bible story where it was literally lived out, where leading with less was the key to the victory. It was the key to what God wanted to do. And it's a story that everyone's familiar with. It happens in the book of Judges in chapter seven. It involves a man named Gideon. And Gideon is a man who has um, a background that caused him to be a pessimist, caused him to be negative. But now God's going to raise him up as a leader. And one of the things that I'll tell you about all leaders is most leaders don't look like leaders when they start, but how you look when you start and how you look when you finish are two different things. And so Gideon, when he started, he didn't look like much of a leader. So in this particular story, God's going to teach him how to lead with less, because what's going to happen is he's going to begin to challenge the Midianites who had been oppressing Israel. And as he begins to challenge them, God's going to begin to send people his way. But the people that he sends are not what necessarily God wanted to use. So the perspective is he's going to start off with 32,000 people. Yeah, we're talking big time. How many of us wish that we had 32,000 people to uh, help us in our dream and our destiny that God's asked us to fulfill? But in the midst of that 32,000, what God's going to say is that that's just too many. In fact, in verse 2 of Judges chapter 7, God looks at uh, Gideon and says, that's too many people. Now, I don't know about you. That really puts the church growth uh, messages and a little bit of constraint there. I mean, my goodness, you know, that's what we want. We want more people. This guy has more people, and God's telling him that he has too many. There goes all those church growth seminars that all of us have been to. God's going to sit there and he's going to teach Gideon. I want to teach you how to lead with less. See, one of the first things to lead with less is that you have to challenge entrenched mental models. And entrenched mental models go like this. We have the mindset that doing more requires that we must have more that's the mindset. If I walk into a church and I see something that they're doing, here's what I say. I wish that we could do that. I really want us to do that. But on the inside of me, I'm thinking we can't do that because we don't have enough. We need more. And when you begin to challenge that mindset, one of the things that you find out is it is our default system in leadership because it's our default system because it feeds our complaints. And our complaints go like this. Well, if I had what they had, I could do what they're doing. And so we began to complain that we don't have enough. It it fuels our frustrations because we get frustrated and think, my goodness, there is no way we could ever do that. Look at these ministries. Look what they have. Look what they can do. And if we had that, then we could do it. And it begins to fuel our disappointments. Well, yeah, I'm just as creative as so-and-so. I just don't have those resources. So if you're going to learn to lead with less, the first thing that has to happen is that there is a mindset model that has to be challenged. And that mindset model goes like this. I can't do more unless I have more. And it's the reason for why not. Why aren't we doing? And we fill in the blank by saying we're not doing that because we need more people. We're not doing that because we need more money. We're not doing that because we need more leaders. We're not doing that because we need more time. And so what we say is, until we have more, we really can't lead effectively. Our faith is displaced by what we have rather than who we have. Instead of looking at who we have, who can provide and take care of us, we look at what we have, and we do not think that that's enough. And so in this particular issue, one of the things that's going to go on is that God's going to say, I want to solve your problem, Gideon, but you just have too many. And um, having too much can be a problem. I know that's counterintuitive. I know that rips at the mindset of who we are, but it's true. So if you're going to learn to lead with less, then you're going to have to challenge entrenched mental models like Gideon did in judges seven two You have too many, and we know in 1 Samuel chapter fourteen and verse six it says, "The Lord can save by many, or oh, we get that or by few. We don't want that, but there's times when you're going to have to learn to lead with less so if you begin to challenge the middle uh mental models then you're going to need uh, to have an attitude. And that attitude is really borne out in verse 3, where it says, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let them return. And so one of the things that we know about leading with less, just by God's priority system with Gideon, is this, is that if you're going to lead with less, whoever you're leading, you're going to need to possess great confidence that it can be done see, having more people with bad attitudes isn't as good as having a few people with good attitudes. And so having a lot of people who are saying, no, we can't do something is not as good as having a handful of people who say, yeah, we can get this done. And so throughout the Bible, we see these stories. We see that when the spies came back to Israel, the majority of them said, we can't do something. Well, what do we know? We know that the minority was right. Well, because of who God is, we can do this. But here it is. You've got to possess that confidence. Having a lot of people with bad attitudes is not something that you want as a leader. You would rather have a few people with good attitudes. In fact, there's a story uh, in the Bible when you study about uh, Timothy and you study about a man named Apollos. If if you really study the Bible, one of the things you find out about Apollos was he was one of those uh, highly gifted souls. Everything was perfect for him. He had the eloquence. He had the intelligence. He had uh, you know the sophistication. He was the one that everyone wanted to hear. But he had one fault, and that is that he would say at times, I'm willing to help you, but I need this. And it was always something about he needed the right time, the right moment, the right circumstance. But then there's Timothy, and Timothy didn't have the gifting that Apollos had, but what he did have was he had the attitude, what do you need me to do, I'm going to get it done. So think to yourself, how many Apollos do you have on your staff or on your team that are waiting for everything to be perfect? And how many Timothys do you have that are going to step up and say, you know what, uh, I'll just get this done. Another thing is um, that you're going to have to uh, react quickly. So when you have less, you're going to have to channel challenge mental models. When you have less, you're going to need a great attitude. And when you have less, you're going to have to react quickly. And so one of the things was that he brought everyone down to the river to see how they would be able to drink and process. And the whole processing was the alert factor of who would be able, if they were in a position where they were sort of off balance and they were relaxed, who was the person who could react the quickest. And so he said, one of the skills you need when you're small is you need that quick reaction force that the military talks about. Why? Because when you just have a handful, speed is a necessity. Small teams aren't bad as long as the teams can be agile. And a part of fast and flexible teams is that you trust each other. And that's one of the reasons that the Navy SEALs are so good, the Green Berets, Uh, the Rangers, they have learned not only to do their job, but they have an efficiency and a flexibility to do things quickly. And a part of that is that they trust others. What you can't have is someone saying, well, that's not my job. Well, I'm not supposed to do that. Uh, You need the attitude of what can I do? What is it that I can do? See, sometimes in leadership, there are things that you just have to do. It's not that you want to do them. It's not that you feel purposely skilled to do them, but you have to do them. A fourth part of learning to lead with less is that uh, you're going to have to choose wisely. In Judges chapter 7, verses 10 through 11, um, Gideon is told to go and to find a certain individual. And all of us who are in leadership uh, moments, we've got to understand who can you count on? Who are the people that when your back's against the wall, you can count on them? You know that they're going to be there. They're going to have your back. You're going to have their back. They're going to be there. Who is committed to the journey? As I tell people, I don't want people who can do a job. I want people who are willing to take a journey. And so a lot of people want a job, but they don't want a journey. But if you're going to do something great for God, you have to have people who are willing to take a journey with you. The next principle, number five, is you have to be strategic. One of the things that it says about the story in Gideon is that they were in the valley, but they literally filled up the valley. There, there were so many of them. So get it. The Bible says that they were so many that they were like grasshoppers out there. You know, it was just like they had come in and 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 had taken over everything. But now, what God's done is he's taught Gideon to go from 32,000 to 300. And in the 300, he's going to be able to do overwhelming things. And the overwhelming things are simply this. He's going to be able to make some changes. But it's all going to become strategic. The Midianites are in the valley. In leadership, you always leverage the high ground. You always take the high road. You never want to fight up. You always, if you're in a fight, you want to fight down. And so uh, strategic means that you are crystal clear about what you're doing. And what that means is you've got to relentlessly simplify and make sure you clear out all the clutter. And you don't let anything get in the way. So what we're going to find out is that Gideon is going to notice that strategically the Midianites are off they're in the valley. But if you have the high ground, you're in the better position. So strategically, he came up with a plan. And when you're learning to lead with less, you have to have a strategic plan. This is what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it. And this is how we're going to do it. Another thing is, is you've got to keep your intuitive edge. And in verses 11 and 13, Gideon talks about this. In the intuitive edges, many times we get so busy leading that God no longer has input. And we always need to make sure that God has an opportunity to speak to us, to begin to minister to us. And in verses 11 and 13, what we find is that Gideon made God a part of the equation. You always have to stay alert to what he is saying was real interesting in 2008. God didn't ask me to believe for more money. What God asked me to do was he asked me to stop all spending. Literally, he, he said, I want you to control what you can control. There was only one thing I could control, and that was the expenses. I couldn't control the, the world markets, the banking uh, atmosphere. I couldn't control whether people were getting stock options and paid in bonuses Like they had always been, whether people were going to cash in those bonuses. I couldn't control that. But what I could control was the expenses. And so God gave me just some very simple challenges, and He said, Look at the expenses. And the amount of stuff that we were able to cut was overwhelming. That we were able to maintain uh, the excitement of our church, the enthusiasm of our church, the mission of our church even though we were now leading with less than our church had had in years. Another thing is uh, get creative. And creativity is the ability to to do things in ways that you've never done before. And in Gideon's case, what he's going to do is he's going to divide people into three groups of a 100 men. And each one of them were going to have a trumpet in their hand and empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. Now, to us, that seems sort of novel. But what's going to happen is they're going to blow the trumpets. They're going to uh, bust open uh, the little clay jars, the empty pitchers, and the lights are going to shine. Well, in military speak, uh, during this day, a a lantern usually equaled a hundred men. So do the math there. There's a whole lot of people down in the valley. But when all of a sudden these men surround the valley and they all blow with their trumpets from different angles, and then they bust open the the pitchers, and there's going to be 300 pitchers, well, the Midianites immediately thought that there's somewhere around 30,000 men up there attacking them in the valley, and that sent them into chaos. But it was creative. It wasn't anything that was beyond the reach of anyone just 300 people doing what they could do, but God gave them creativity on how to do it. Another thing is when you're leading with less, you're going to have to be in front. Uh, In verse 17, it talks about how he said, as I do, so shall you do. People don't do what the leader doesn't do. And I know that my circumstance was different, but during this period of time, Um, It was Jenny and I that absorbed uh, a lot of the pay restructuring because we knew that we did not want to lay off a bunch of kids and, and people who were beginning in life. So we did less and we took less so that others could stay on staff. And so when they saw that we were willing to take the first hit, everyone else was willing to step up and take hits. So that being said, you set the example. Uh, people are always watching you. And when they watch you, do they get better or they get worse? Hopefully, if you're a leader, when they watch you, they get better. But people follow what they see. They don't follow what they hear. They follow what they see. And then um, when the pictures were busted, what happened was that uh, the Midianites began to just turn and run and uh, head every possible direction. And became their own worst enemy, and Israel was able to call for the people in the villages and say, hey, these guys are on the run. Do you want to help us? And what that means is you've got to finish what you start. You don't just start something, you finish. And that's what happened with Gideon. They sent out messengers, and they said, guys, here, uh, people need to celebrate moments. And this is probably something I'm not as good about as other people are because as a leader, you're always thinking further down the road. And when something happens, you're just sort of, okay, I expected that to happen. And everyone's wanting to celebrate and you're wanting to move on to the next thing. And since leaders tend to be more in the future than the present, uh, sometimes celebrating is not one of their skills. And this is something that Jesse Prince, my executive pastor, is better at, and Jenny is way better at it than me. Um, But here's the deal. What we see happening with Gideon is what's true about most organizations. Leaders respond to commitment, but people respond to success. What Gideon needed was he needed 300 people that were highly committed. What the people needed was they needed to see some success and I always tell pastors this, if you don't have fire, blow smoke. And what that means is you don't lie, but anything that God's doing in your midst, brag on it. Talk about it. People want to be a part of something that's successful, not something that is stagnant. Now, all of these are lessons that I had to personally implement. And because I was able to implement them, our, our church was able to uh, make it through those period of times. It wasn't without some consternation, but it was without uh, us having to fault in anything that we felt like ministry did. It cost us uh, to go back and begin to look and say, what are the ministries we need? What are the ministries we don't need? How do we implement those? But I'm just telling you, if you're going to lead at some time, you're going to have to lead with less. And you can't just say, well, if I have more, I'm going to do more. Sometimes God says, I'm going to save by many, but sometimes God says, I'm going to save by few. And if you're the only a leader who can lead when there's many, you're going to miss out on a lot of things God wants you to do. You need to be a leader who can lead by few. Well, thank you again for uh, tuning into the uh, podcast. I'm so excited that it's obvious that the podcast keeps growing and uh, its bandwidth as far as where it goes and who all's listening to it. And I just want to thank you. That's happening because of your faithfulness. I also want to say that in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll be doing the first roundtable. It'll be here in Plano. And uh, I'm so excited about that roundtable because of the material I'll be sharing, the material that Tony Cook will be sharing. Uh, the first several that I'll do will be partnering with Tony Cook uh... but these round tables are really really exceptional opportunities of growth and so our first three are basically going to be uh... round tables that will happen here in Plano in the north dallas area we have one that will be coming up the first part of february in seattle and then we have another one that will be coming up in orlando florida and i just want to encourage you you never get better than investing in your leadership skills if you want to be a better leader put yourself in a learning posture Put yourself in a place where there are people who make you think and make you better. And I want to encourage you that if you're in the uh, Dallas area or Texas, come on out to the roundtable. If you're going to be in Seattle, Tacoma, come on out to the roundtable. And if you're going to be in Florida, come out to the roundtable. And you can go to Gerald Brooks Ministries, and there's a, a way you can sign up there. But I just want to encourage you, if you're going to do well in the year, you're going to have to learn during this year. Thank you again so much for uh, listening to the podcast. And I believe until we talk next time, God's blessings upon you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.